0: If there's a dream that got put in you, you already know it, you can see it. Have the faith and belief that it is your dream to manifest. And maybe it doesn't look like it's happening on your timeline. Don't believe the hype when someone tells you that the only way you're gonna achieve success is if you pay them X amount of money because they're the only way. But then I did this work, right? The work that's in my book. And now when we hang out, I have zero problems with you on your face. There will be times where you'll be like very <laughs> intense, completely ignoring me.
1: And I don't care because it has nothing to do with me. December 25th, 2018. It was our first Christmas in our new million dollar home. I checked all the boxes that promised me real freedom. I had a booming business, raving fans, money assets and yeah I was still sitting there on the couch pretending that I was watching that Christmas movie with my family while I was choking down the poison of anxiety I still felt like that desperate kid who would take her clothes off for money the kid who nearly overdosed to try to prove her worth to her friends the kid that got pregnant at 19 I felt stuck like I was stuck in the sands of time I did all the right things All the things that promised me freedom, and it didn't add up. I realized a few things. I was still checking someone else's box. This was going to be an inside job, and I would do whatever it took to never feel that way again. Consider this podcast the rebranded, revamped, cool-ass version of Alternative School alternative school for the unruly entrepreneur. This is for the innovators, the creators, the world changers, the service minded, and those who want the details on how to create a business that really, truly, finally fucking sets you free. I'm your host, Andrea Crowder, and welcome to the Unruly Entrepreneur podcast. Let's go to the show. Welcome my very first coach ever. One of my closest friends, Um, somebody who I have got to witness and admire for so long and is now an author, Rachel Luna. Yes. I wanted to bring Rachel on and talk about your new book, Permission to Offend, but- what I would like to kind of start with is who you were, what was happening for you when you decided that you had this urge to create, this urge to. You were already an author; you've already written a, a Amazon bestseller, but this book feels different. This book feels like a very like significant part of your evolution as a human being, as the female entrepreneur, as somebody who is a transformation expert. Um, and then as somebody who is not just a transformation expert for other people, but I do want to add in there that you have um, recovered from breast cancer and I've gotten to witness that journey and you- like your ability to just transform some of the shittiest situations for yourself and for other people is exceptional. And now there's a lot of, um, transformational advice in this book, but like what was happening for you and who were you when you decided, okay, it's time for me to bring, bring this book into the world.
0: That feels like the most loaded question to start with, which are my favorite. I love a full load. Okay. So I don't think that there was a moment where I said to myself, okay, I have to bring this book into the world. It was more so that I had been working on other books for a couple of years, a different book for a couple of years leading up to this one. And it just never felt right. And as you mentioned previously, yes, I had already written a book I self-published it, a book called Successful People Are Full of Crap, Courage, Resilience, Authenticity, and Perseverance. Mm -hmm. And that's like my first baby. It was like my first dip in the toe. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I just was following the model, right? Like you Mm -hmm. start a business, you write a book. But to be fair, I had always wanted to be a writer since I was a little girl. I had these big dreams that one day I'd write these books. I thought I was going to write fiction, I thought I was mm-hmm. going to write chick lit. That's a whole genre. Uh, think <laughs> Sex in the City. Yeah, and I even took a creative writing classes for this genre. So I thought that's what I was going to do. I always had this vision that I would be in Barnes and Noble, but many years ago, I was so intimidated at the process of pitching agents, and and more than anything, I was afraid of rejection. Mm-hmm. And so the fear of rejection kept me from pursuing that that iteration of the dream that's what led me to self-publish the first book and then what really okay I'm gonna be honest I don't think I was being honest entirely when I first started writing this answer because the truth is coming up and that's the cool thing about the truth is like it it needs to see the light of day it will eat at you It's why so many people have unfulfilled dreams, but they feel frustrated with their life because the truth is like, but I'm here, but see me, please. The truth is that there was a series of events where my clients were birthing books. And one of my clients, our good friend, Lauren Messiah, who, by the way, I've also been her client. I was working with her. We were helping her build out her membership. All these things are happening and she gets a book deal. And then she says to me, when are you going to get a book deal? Like, it's time for you to get, get this book out into the world. And I thought, yeah, when am I going to do that? When am I going to have the courage to face the rejection? Because traditional publishing is accompanied with rejection." You Mm -hmm. have to be ready for it. Mm -hmm. I I cannot think of a single author, and I did a lot of research looking, because I'm always looking for evidence to, to validate or disprove my thoughts, fears, beliefs, desires, could not find a single author who traditionally published that didn't experience some kind of rejection in the process, whether it was being rejected by prospective agents or by publishing houses or by marketing teams or by media. So rejection is part of the journey. If you want the success, you have to endure the failure. Mm -hmm. That was what led me to like, okay, I better get off my butt. Clients are out here getting book deals and you can't lead from the rear. You can't. You either have to elevate or your clients are going to leave you and you're just going to better be a good sport about it and cheer them on from the sidelines. Otherwise, you're going to feel really bad about yourself.
1: Okay. Well, that leads into the fact that I want to kind of bring in, okay, how much rejection did you face when you decided, okay, I'm going to do this? And then, of course, we want to hear about the moment that rejection turned into success because I know you even have that on video and that's, so freaking cool to be able to go back and look at that exact moment. Tell us about what happened.
0: Okay, so tons of rejection. First, I had meetings with agents. Okay, the first rejection was some Lauren says to me, I will introduce you to my agent. And I'm like, I don't want to write a book proposal. Like, I've got one half done. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. This is, by the way, in the middle of a pandemic. So it's Mm -hmm. not like life was just easy breezy. Mm -hmm. And oh, by the way, I was probably about eight months post cancer journey, cancer healing journey. So a lot of transition was going on for me. She says, I didn't need a book proposal. My agent just took me and signed me and off we went. And I was like, oh, I might not need a book proposal. Easy, fun, light, sign me up. So she introduces me to her agent and the agent is like, you need a book proposal. And I'm thinking to myself, but why do I need a book proposal? And she didn't need a book proposal. Immediately, my inner five-year-old is like, well, that's not fair, you know, which (laughs) as one would do. And so I was like, well, I guess I better work on this book proposal. So I start working on the proposal and I meet another woman on the journey and she She is someone who got a colleague of mine a six-figure book deal. She helped with the proposal. So immediately I thought... Well, if you helped her get a six-figure book deal, you can help me get a six-figure book deal and I've got to follow the blueprint. And one of the things I must say right now, can't even wait till later, is stop thinking that if you follow someone else's blueprint, you're going to have the success that they have because you might find it sooner, quicker without that blueprint, without the expense, without the headache and drama. You just have to start trusting that you're good enough already. So I have this meeting with this book writing proposal coach, whatever. And she says to me, this proposal is not good at all. She's like, it's a good start. But like, I wouldn't even think of introducing you to agents for another six months. You need so much cleaning up. And oh, by the way, it's going to be $20,000 to hire me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh know about all that you know like that doesn't seem right because here's the thing as a first time author the book uh book uh what's the word book advances they're Mm -hmm. not generous unless Mm -hmm. you have a huge audience super engaged where they know that if you self-publish on your own you're going to decimate whatever they could offer you Mm -hmm. so you're looking at about twenty thousand dollars of a book advance really good for a first-time author is 50000 Like if you get 50000 high five. You're doing something really amazing. And I'm thinking to myself, but if I pay you 20000 then I only get 30000 left for me. But then I got to give 5000 of that to my agent. Then I have to pay taxes. And they don't give it to you all in one lump sum. So it's not like you get a book deal and boom, $50,000 hits your account. They break it up into like three to four pieces. So mm-hmm. I started doing the math and I'm like, I'm going to be in debt the whole time I'm writing this book. I'm going to have to step away Ooh. from my business to carve out the time to write the book. Like this doesn't sound like a good deal for me. I don't think I like this. Lesson number two, if you're a note taker, just write this down. <laughs> don't believe the hype when someone tells you that the only way you're going to achieve success is if you pay them X amount of money because they're the only way through the, the forest, right? Like there are other ways you can cut the damn forest down yourself. How about that? You don't need to find their path that they've already pre-carved out for you. I'm getting feisty, Andrea. Like you're firing me up right now. So <laughs> I go into a group of colleagues and I say to them, hey, some of you have worked with this woman before. Oh, by the way, pre- when they worked with her, her prices were really, really low. And this year she was like flexing this new price. So shout out to raising your prices. I'm here for it. And they're like, nah, don't do it. It's not like you could do it on your own. And then one of our mutual friends, Denise Duffield Thomas, breathes life into me. And she says this and I'll never forget. She said, you better not sign any deal for less than six figures, You've been around, you have the audience, you have the weight. Do not sign any contract for less than six figures because you're worth it. And that was like the little bit of like faith that I needed. I borrowed her faith and belief in myself, in me, and I adopted it as my own. Lesson number three, there are times when you need to hire a coach. And that is when you don't really fully believe enough to help you execute. That's when you bring on someone like Andrea and you can get in that energy and borrow that belief, borrow that faith that she brings to the table to help you like, okay, fire has started. The kindling is set,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: but the rejections kept coming. Like (laughs) it wasn't smooth sailing after that. I got a couple more introductions to agents from well-known people, good colleagues. And the agents were like, yeah, kind of come back to us. It was a lot of trepidation. Finally, my friend Andrea Owen is like, I'm going to introduce you to my agent. I can't make you any promises. She's Gabby Bernstein's agent. So she's very picky, but we'll see. She, Michelle is her name. Michelle sent me an email And she says, my husband and I co-own an agency. Send me your proposal and we'll review it. We'll see if either one of you pick, you know, if either one of us picks you up. Very next day, email. You're with me, kid. Let's get on a call. That's all the email says. You're with me, kid. Let's get on a call. Now, imagine for a second. That you're getting, no, no, no. The only way through is if you pay a bunch of money that you don't want to pay and get into mm-hmm. this debt that you don't want to amass. And then finally you get this. Yes. Now here's the plot twist, Andrea. You know, I'm big into journaling mm-hmm. years ago. I had journaled that Michelle Martin was one day going to be my agent. Now I know someone's listening and thinking about how did you even know about Michelle Martin? This is a pro tip. If you want to be an author and you want a fancy schmancy agent like mine, go into your favorite books and turn to the back of the page, to to the back of the book and look at the acknowledgments. because Mm -hmm. every author acknowledges their agents, their editor, and their writing coach. And now I'm not saying that that's going to be the perfect dream team for you, but that gives you a head start. It gives you a direction in -hmm. which to turn your attention towards.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So. I get the first yes from Michelle. We get on a call. I don't, I haven't signed anything yet. And then she sends me another message. She said, I know you're not officially formally my client yet, but I took the liberty and I started shopping your book around. And we have some interest from Random and a couple of others. Now, Random House is one of the top three, right? My heart is beating out of my chest. The woman says, yes, I very quickly sign on the dotted line. But important to note, that in July of 2020, I sign, uh, I, I write in my journal that I'm going to sign an agent by October and I'm gonna have a book deal by December of 2020. Also, important to know is that the girl who had first looked at my book proposal that said she wouldn't even dare, she said she wouldn't even pitch the book until February of 2021. Okay,
1: mm-hmm.
0: for my note takers. Do not listen to other people's timelines just because they don't see a way through it or how to do it doesn't mean that you can't figure it out and that you can't bring it to life on your timeline. Because I signed my contract with Michelle Martin in August, way ahead of schedule. And in October, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, but in October, I got the deal. Spoiler alert. But let me tell you what happened next. (laughs) So. Michelle starts fielding and she sends it to all the places that she thinks were most likely to get a yes. And I got 12 rejections. She's not known enough. She's not big enough. We've already heard this idea and I'm thinking you haven't heard permission to offend. I know you haven't. Right. And I'm getting all in my feelings and emotions, but it was, it's like so-and-so passed Um, Archer past random. And then Random House was still in, okay? So then we get a bid from Harper One and we get a bid from Hachette. So here's what happens. Once you get your bids, then they set up these meetings because now you have options and you get to ask questions just as much as they're going to ask questions. Can I give you some questions that people should ask? I of think course. This is important. Yes. Like, no, I didn't know this and nobody told me this. But the questions that you want to ask the editor are how many authors do you work with a year? And this is really important because if they're working with 12, 20 authors a year, you are not going to get the amount of attention that you want. And the other thing is that you have to make sure that you manage your expectations. The editors are not your writing partners. They're not your writing coaches. You need to hire your own writing coach on the side if you really want to write a book that has substance, that goes into depth, because the editor is only going to give you a little bit of a a first pass, a light touch. Now, my editor, Sydney, was amazing. She did a little more in depth, and I know that she did more because I had other author friends and... And also within Harper, other divisions. And they're like, your editor did all that? I'm like, yeah, did it yours? No, no. Editor. So, you know, it's a hit or miss. The other thing that you want to ask them is how, how, um, how has turnover been within the company? Because the publishing world is very volatile and editors drop out left and right. So my first editor, Hillary, that bought the book, she left within a couple of months. And so when that happens, the the clock starts all over again for you. Now the new editor has to get familiar. The new editor is also now taking on the work of the old editor plus what she already had, you know, cooking. So these are things you want to ask. And then finally, the other most important question I think you should be asking besides the money, don't worry about the money, let your agent worry about the money and figure out how To break that down but is what are you going to do for me in terms of marketing and what is it that you're expecting me to do and uh, spoiler alert marketing department does not do very much i got blessed my pr from harper one is um my publicist from harper one is the bee's knees but you don't always get that so you have to be prepared to use some of your book advance to pay for marketing, to pay for publicity, and to pay for writing coaching support. So here we are. I have my meetings with Hachette, and Hachette almost had me because they were like, here's what we want. Their marketing team was sexy. Like their marketing team was on it. And I have my meeting with Harper One. Their marketing department was cool, but you know what they brought to the table? They brought the Spanish team to the table. And they were like, we want to publish your book in English and in Spanish. Time out right now. That does not happen. First time authors out the gate do not get their books published in multiple languages on the first pass. Typically, they publish your book in English. They see how it's going to do. Then they put into some other language. Mm -hmm. Imagine if I hadn't been believing for more than what people were telling me was possible. And this is one of the things I really want to inspire into our listener today is that belief for more than what other people are telling you is possible. If it doesn't happen, that's cool. It doesn't happen, but wouldn't it be amazing if so from there, the rejections continued. (laughs) You would think like (laughs) redemption. No, the rejections continued because random still was like, we think we're interested, right? They still had a toe in. And if they had a toe in, you need three bids to start an auction. And if we had three, we could have done an auction. And an auction is really cool because what does that do? That just drives the price of your advance all the way up. And at the last night, they withdrew and I got rejected. And my dreams of an auction were snatched, ripped for me. <laughs> But it still turned out great because I got two really great book deals um, or book, book deal offers. Hachette came in at 60000 which was like, all right, that's cool. And then Harper One came in at $115,000. 115000 for a first-time author.
1: More than double. $115,000 book advance plus your book in two languages to kick off. And now your book hasn't even launched yet. It doesn't even come out until February 2nd. And you're already number two on, on Amazon's um, new releases. Yeah. I know you and I know what's happening behind the scenes. And mm-hmm. of course you came to the table with brilliance and skill and all of that got put into the book, but getting the book into the world, even creating the book, finding all of the right people calling in all the partners, like That part comes from your intentions and the rituals that you have behind the scenes. So yes, you did some really practical things, you know, holding out, trusting your gut, asking other people who have already done it like Denise and, and doing your research, looking at the back of the book and figuring out like, who would be my dream team here? But what's the impractical things that most people aren't doing?
0: Well, I will finish that question. What was I doing when? What What
1: were the What were the faith based things that you were doing yeah. behind the scenes that were like the intangible?
0: Yes. Okay, I am a big believer of fasting, and that was actually that part of the practice for me was a little bit ner- nerve wracking when I first started to fast, and this was even before the book, this was as part of my healing because I have a history of disordered eating. And Mm -hmm. I had this fear that if I started fasting again, I was gonna trigger these disorders. Um, But for me, Andrew, you know, I'm a God girl. For me, it's like, I I have to have this conversation with God. So I began fasting and believing just for my healing. And the healing happens whenever I would get hungry Instead of just like laying on the couch, like oh I'm so hungry and weak and fat, it's like I would just go into a state of praise and worship and just saying like I'm believing you for this. I'm I'm literally starving myself for you to do something through me, for you to heal me from the inside out. And for those of you that are not faith based, like just look at the studies of fasting and how fasting heals the body. So mm-hmm. that was a very practical thing even then when it came to the book, it was a lot of fasting and prayer and journaling, which is, I, I feel like I don't know where I would be. I, where I wouldn't be if I didn't have this really strong faith and prayer life and journaling practice, Mm -hmm. because for me, Every time I was afraid, every time I doubted, I went into my journal and I confronted the fear. I think we're really quick to start scripting and to just go into like what we want to have and like Future visualizing. Mm -hmm. And I think the part of the work that most people are not doing is that they're not confronting the truth that's in them that wants to come out and be acknowledged. So, like, I am afraid it's not going to be good enough. I am afraid that it's going to be another whatever, right? So all of the fears, I started writing them down one by one and tackling them and validating or disproving them. Many of your fears are irrational and you can disprove them very quickly. Some of your fears are actually. Legitimate rational fears. Yeah, you might launch your book on the same day that Oprah drops the book and all and all attention gets derailed and and whatever, whatever, like worst case scenario, like those things could happen. But even if they do, do you have the faith enough to believe in yourself and in the fact that if God put this dream in your heart, then you're the person that's supposed to execute the dream? Like I've been doing this study on Joseph in the Bible and how Joseph has this, he has these two crazy dreams when he's a teenager. Okay. First of all, imagine Madison, your teen coming to you and saying, mom, I had this dream and you and Jackson were all bowing down to me. Like I was the queen. You'd be like, well, maybe you'd be like, that's awesome. I love that for you. Like, <laughs> Pharaoh be like, what? Okay, bye. you know, put the, put it to the side. Mm-hmm. Decades later, Joseph becomes the right-hand man to the Pharaoh in Egypt. And there's this massive famine in all the land. And Joseph's family is hunger-stricken. And they come to Egypt looking for food and they... Everything that Joseph dreamt comes to life. His family bows before them and then he blesses them with the grain because he's in this power, a position of power and authority. So why I love this story so much is because, number one, if there's a dream that God put in you, you already know it. You can see it. Have the faith and belief that it is your dream to manifest. And maybe it doesn't look like it's happening on your timeline. Joseph surely did not get to be the right hand man of Pharaoh As a teenager, no, he was persecuted, he was put in jail, he was falsely accused, he was beaten. Think about all the challenges and and tribulations that you may be experiencing right now, and you're telling yourself this lie that, oh, maybe this isn't going to happen, or maybe this isn't my dream. But no, you're just in the season right now where you're being challenged and tested and refined. But if the dream was put in you, it is for you, and you have an obligation to believe in it for it and take these faith-based steps, grab your journal, go on your prayer walks. I'm a huge proponent of a prayer walk. If I Mm -hmm. need something to be moved, I don't just sit in my desk. I go and I move in with the spirit because I believe, and by the way, I'm not trying to impose my beliefs, but you ask me what I do. This is what I do. Mm -hmm. I believe that what the Bible says for we do not wage against the flesh, but against principalities and spirits in another realm. So if I want something on earth to be moved, I have to move it in the spirit realm first. How mm. do I do that? I'm praying, I'm walking, I'm fasting, I'm journaling, I am I am doing everything I can in this little container of a body that I have, <laughs> but recognizing that the spirit in me is giant, right? I, I've said yes. this to you before, right? And like my body is too small for all that I am. (laughs) Yes. But you know, here's, this is something that I've been chatting with clients about too. I'm not the only one that feels that way. Yeah. Our community, like your community and my community, we are natural born leaders and we all hold weight in the realm of the spirit. Mm. And so you have to recognize that when you feel exhausted, when your body feels like, it's, be, it's really your spirit that's frustrated because your spirit is trying to do something through your human and your humanity is not allowing your faith to shine through. And so I just I feel like I have to implore you right now to please let your spirit shine through mm. and Put your humanity, put your flesh to the side, to the side. The Bible says that we have to die to ourselves every single day. That means you have to die to, to, to the fear. You got to let the, you got to kill the fear. You got to kill the the unbelief. You have to kill the doubt. You have to kill the depression. And I know that there's someone listening to me is like, okay, but how, how do I Mm -hmm. do that? Well, first of all, it really goes back to what we were talking about in, in your $1.2 million masterclass, Mm -hmm. which was you decided. So Mm -hmm. everything that you desire is on the other side of a decision. And that's Mm -hmm. how we got here. It was one decision after another,
1: one decision after another. Okay. So tell us about the book now. So permission to offend the compassionate guide for living unfiltered and unafraid stunning book. I mean, (laughs) I was definitely a part of the decision-making process, BTS. Yes, you <laughs> <laughs> yes thank, you, thank I got, you. I got to vote. <laughs> um, I did nothing to like actually design it, by the way, but I'm just like taking credit wherever I can get it.
0: <laughs> and you get um, a lot. <laughs> thank you.
1: Thank you. Okay. Um, also, I bought at least 20 copies already, like like best friend pride. <laughs> yes,
0: you are so- the top buyer
1: as of per used. <laughs> Hu, sh- always got your back, um okay, so who needs to read this?
0: Oh, okay, my ego is like everyone everyone needs to read this, but no, probably not, you know who need leaders mm-hmm. leaders need to read this because I believe that we are right now in the last couple of years have been a real indication of where we're headed, and we're headed into a, this perfect storm if we're not careful of really fragile emotions, fragile feelings, and a huge opportunity for chaos because Mm -hmm. of our inability to communicate with compassion and empathy while also resting in our truth. So one of my core tenets of the book is that people are offended by the fact that you have a dream in the first place. They're offended that you have the audacity to dream. So why not let them be offended as you walk out your dreams, as you bring them to life? Because what good is it for you to be concerned about their, their offense that you're dreaming but you're still not doing anything about it. They're still pissed at you. They're still judging you. They're still likely rejecting you. They're still talking about you behind your back. And by the way, most people are not thinking or talking about us as much as we think they are. They're busy Mm -hmm. living their own lives, right? Most human beings have airs of narcissism. We have Mm -hmm. to, that's how we survive, right? Like you have to have a little bit of selfishness. Otherwise you're going to get chewed up and spit out and swallowed. OK, so mm-hmm. if you consider yourself to be a leader, if you consider yourself to be someone who knows that she has a powerful message, but you've been holding back, you've been showing up as a watered down version of yourself, you have these big goals and, and and dreams and ideas, but you can't seem to figure out why you're not being consistent and why you have so many false starts you oops look my book jumped out of my hand when it said false starts no false we're going away no right but dude it was a false start like we're going the book was ready to go but if that is you then this book is for you and i'd like to tell you why so the first thing that we talk about is activating your truth and by the way when you get the book do not skip the intro in, I hate intros. I find them to be dull and boring. So intentionally I have made a very non dull, non boring yep. trigger warning, alert, worthy introduction. And I, I can attest you to-, to that. Yes. yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So read the intro first, then we go into the first The first chapter is activating your truth. Now, if you are part of Andrea's community and you've done Regulate or any of her programs, then you are already familiar with with connecting to your truth. Mm -hmm. And what I'd love for you to do is I'd love to encourage you to take what I teach you in the book and pair it with the teachings from Regulate, with the teachings from she makes bank and 15 minute launch coach and all of them, because when you do the work that I teach you in chapter one, it's going to add just one little layer of nuance. And this is what I think is so important, right? Mm -hmm. Leaders, we need to pay attention to the nuance. I'm Mm -hmm. not talking to basic, you know, to the basic biatches who are still like, no, does, if, if, if you, if you're basic, maybe you should read it too. So you can get more depth. That's that's probably what I'll say. Um, no shade to my basic buddies out there, but you want to really actually take this practice and layer on the nuance and pay attention to it. Then we talk about your identity. And this was something actually, Andrea, you know, what's so interesting is that while I was writing this book, I was able to lock into my identity in a way that I had never been able to before. I already knew that the, most people will answer the question like, Andrea, tell me, you know, tell me about yourself.
1: Who are you? What would you say? Uh Hi, my name is Andrea. I'm a 40-year-old single Virgo. No, just kidding. I'm like, would you like me to list my dating profile? I have an excellent dating profile. Of course you do. I'm a marketer. But
0: right. You also are like, I'm a marketer. I'm a mom. I'm an author. I'm a podcast host, right? So we start firing off with our roles and our responsibilities. And we start to say those roles and responsibilities so much that instead of thinking and leading with our true identity, we start leading from our roles and from our responsibilities. And it's detrimental because when you have to start making some real tough decisions, if you're not secure in your true identity, which is our values and our beliefs, Mm -hmm. then you're going to start making those decisions out of roles, responsibilities, and obligations, not out of Uh, truth.
1: Dear Lord, hold on. Can we just like sink this in? Like I started daddy energy off of this, like, no, I'm not going to teach you like how I, um, like what I'm paying my people and like where I find them and like what their roles are until we know who you are, what you value the most, because mm-hmm. otherwise you're never going to be able to hire the right people. You can't get anybody on your train if you don't know what you stand for. So thank you for making, yeah. Ooh, that sexy little nuance. I love a good nuance. Okay. Keep going.
0: I love when I'm living for the nuance. Yes. I'm living for the nuance. Yes. Okay. So that's right there. The first two chapters are going to change your life, but then we go into talk about boundaries. I was actually hesitant to talk about boundaries because there are so many full 12 chapter books on just boundaries alone. Um, But honestly, for me personally, I just feel like that's so many chapters of boundaries. Like just give me what I really need to know to make a change in my life around boundaries and like, give me the nugget and let me run with it. And so that's what I've done. I talked to you about the boundary bullies, why you're struggling with inconsistency, why you're actually not owning your full truth. And here's the cool, interesting thing. I sent out a couple of preview copies and one of my, uh, one of my beta readers came back and she said, you know, I scored high on the OCQ, the offense capacity quiz, which is basically measures how how tolerant you are of other people offending you or judging you or saying things. She said, I scored high on the quiz, but then I started reading and I realized like, oh, wait a minute, there are things in me that I didn't realize were showing up. Whenever I, my truth was trying to show up. So there was a lot of dissonance and that was causing delays in my dreams. So I would implore you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. implore you y'all didn't see Andrea's face, but yes, I would implore you. To read that section about boundaries, I implore you to read the book cover to cover, but if you are the type of person that you need to just jump in and, and get something and, and pop back out, go into the boundary section because that right there is going to change how you think and the standards that you set. And I give you some really good case studies of how some people stuck to their boundaries and how that worked out and what happened when they didn't. And the thing that I say in the book is give yourself permission to disappoint others so you can stop
1: disappointing yourself. Can we go back to dissonance causing delays in my dreams? Yeah. Because that one shocked my whole body. What does dissonance mean?
0: Dissonance is when you have two opposing thoughts running on replay at the same time. So dissonance Mm -hmm. is I want to be a millionaire. I want to have the seven figure lifestyle. I don't know that I'm worthy. If I have a seven figure lifestyle, people are going to come and try to take it from me. I'm going to have to start paying off for everyone's business or everyone's home and my family. I'm going to be the person that they go to. I'm going to lose it all. Right. So you have two thoughts that are fighting with each other. I want the million dollars. If I get the million dollars, people are going to take it from me. So how could you move forward? How could you pursue it? You may not be thinking that actively. A lot of this happens on the unconscious mind, but what this looks like in your life and in your business is I have this great offer. It's life changing. I tell no one about it. Mm -hmm. I have this incredible love. Go ahead.
1: No, I want to say people actually are actively consciously having these thoughts. It's not happening Mm -hmm. at an unconscious level. It's like the dissonance is happening live. Like these intrusive thoughts are coming in most of the time, the second that people open before they even open their eyes, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's, it's hitting them before their feet even hit the floor. Mm -hmm. And so. I would look at Rachel right now and I would say, can we create a whole masterclass around literally the one thing you just said, which is the dissonance that's causing delays in my dreams. And I would say, Rachel charge at least a few hundred dollars for this masterclass. And now you have this book that's going to give them so much more than you could ever put into a single masterclass that they can take with them mm-hmm. as a resource and go back to it every single time that this causes a delay and or it even causes like friction in them getting out of bed to be able to go do anything in their life. That's actually going to be moving the needle towards their dreams. And now it's all in this like wrapped up perfect little book of step-by-step and action items. And like, Rachel's the most strategic, tangible person. You guys know, like it all comes back to mindset for me. I'm always going to take it into the intangible and I'm just going to cause the effect there. And Rachel does that too but she's like way more strategic than I am. Like, she's (laughs) always annoyed at me. She's like, but I have more questions. (laughs) Like, I don't know how to answer them though. But, but Rachel does. Rachel's the one who's like able to, like, it's the nuances. You break it down into these teeny, teeny little bite-sized pieces where it's like, okay, here, go do this. Mm -hmm. And now it's in a book. And I can't even remember how much I paid for the book, 20 $24.99, $24.99
0: Twenty four ninety nine. Twenty four ninety nine
1: instead of three hundred dollars mm-hmm. or whatever yeah. somebody would like charge for a masterclass. Um, I'm sorry for that rant, but it was necessary. That's
0: okay. <laughs> there's so much more in the book, though. Like that's just the first couple of. T- that's just, that's like, all the they need, t- though. <laughs> like there's so much oh, more, but oh. that one thing is. <laughs> the, the other thing that I I really do think that they need, though, is they need the offender identity framework.
1: Yes, because please tell us about they, that. They
0: have to know where we're, what quadrant they're operating in at all yep. times. We're always operating in one of the four. Um, there, there are a couple of outliers. I already can hear the rebels in your audience. Like, not me. I'm not the critic or the pleaser or the wounded or the empathetic. I'm something completely different because I'm a snowflake and I'm special. Yes,
1: <laughs> that's you. i a snowflake.
0: <laughs> you are. I cosign on it. You're the outlier. For the rest of us. We often kind of ping pong between the four identities that I describe in the book. So the critic, the pleaser, the wounded, and the empathetic. And Mm -hmm. all that means is at some point throughout your day, you're either operating in high truth or low truth, high faith or low faith. And depending on what circumstances you're experiencing, you might kind of be catapulted into one or one or more at the same time, depending on you know what's actually happening. The the goal is not that you're always being the empathetic offender. Empathetic offender is that can hold space for two truths coexisting. Mm -hmm. The empathetic offender is the type of person that can say, look, I understand how you got there. I don't agree with it, but I'm cool to just continue to learn more about you. Keep Mm -hmm. telling me. And they're not offended. They're not shook. They don't walk away from the conversation feeling pissed. Like, who the hell did that person think they are? It's more like, okay, great. They have Mm -hmm. a different opinion than I do. I really don't agree. And can I tell you how to practice this, by the way? yes. I don't talk about this in the book, but this a little nuance, little nugget for our listeners. So the way you practice this is by listening To, I listen to YouTube videos with people who have opinions that are different from my own. So, earlier today, I was watching a video from this one girl. Like, she exists solely to talk bad about people in our industry. I'm convinced, like, Mm -hmm. that's her mission and purpose. And I listen. And there are a couple of things that I practice doing. I practice keeping my face neutral. Every now and then, like the other, she said something this morning and I, my face, I will, you know, my head cocked to one side and my eyebrows forward, like, ah, I don't know about all that, you know? I, but I practice, as soon as I find myself doing that, I stop and I listen to it again and I practice a neutral face. Why? Because it's so important to listen to understand first rather than to try to be understood. And if Mm -hmm. each one of us just took a moment to listen, to understand rather than fight to be understood, we are going to have more community and connection. And that's how we make the impact and the changes that we want to make in this world. So that's why I felt like that was a really important piece to include in the book. And then there's journaling and there's so much.
1: There's, there is so much. And like, Like I said, you break it down in such a thoughtful way that makes it really, really easy for people. You know how sometimes you can just like read a book and it's like conceptually that sounds amazing and you get that sugar rush of excitement and, and, um, and sometimes you walk away with a nugget Mm -hmm. and one nugget can completely change your life. So I'm not saying like fundamentally that's bad, but you really do break it down in a way for full integration, each Mm. little chunk where people can walk away and like, really, truly, genuinely have a transformation?
0: With every chapter, I call them alignment opportunities. And one of the Mm. things I say is that everything in the book is an offering. So you can accept it or reject it, take what you need, leave the rest. You, you, Depending on where you are right now, you don't need everything. And I think that we need to release our attachment into thinking that when I sign up for a program, if I didn't listen to every single module and show up to every single call and do every single worksheet, then I failed and I need to get my money back. Mm -hmm. No, maybe you just needed to be at that one call in that one five-minute moment where this one nugget was dropped. So I call them alignment opportunities. And it's interesting because if I had really been strategic, Andrea, I would have called them like, um, there was a word I came up with afterwards it was like ger- ger- journal alignment or something like that, right? Like journaling, journal ger- ger- alignment or something, right? Journaling in alignment. And if I had been, a, if I had been really strategic, I would have called it that. And and then that playoff like now buy my journal, right? That that would have been right. a really good marketing strategy, but I didn't because what I really wanted for the reader was for them to align, not to my teaching, but to their truth mm. and they get access
1: to their truth through my teachings. That is another sexy little nuance <laughs> because what most people are looking to achieve, not most, but like a lot of authors are looking to achieve, to align you to their side, to their truth, to their um principles and I can even say like there's sometimes where I'm like get on my team here like I'm telling you like I'm a Virgo I'm always right it just is the curse of being a Virgo <laughs> I always know the answer guys <laughs> but, but like as a core value I only ever want people to like align to that truth if it if it aligns to like their fundamental core truth, and mm-hmm. so yeah, I really appreciate that. That was the that was the lens that you were looking through when you were adding those different little. I love that journal alignment.
0: It's so cute, right? I I got somewhere it. else, yeah. I, I'm going to. I'm yeah. going to. i Say that
1: again. I just added a trademark. Trademark
0: <laughs> journal alignment.
1: Journal that alignment. T- that has a TM at the end of it. You heard it here first. <laughs> Okay. So let's say somebody is, I mean, for me, I don't read books in a linear fashion most of the time. Mm-hmm. And so if there were one chunk of the book where you're like, God, if all I could give you was one nugget, what would be the thing where you would tell people to go first? I know that's really hard.
0: <laughs> um, no, it's actually, I made that face cause it's my, ba- you're asking me to choose between my children, right? Like my chapter children.
1: I know what I just um, asked you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But I would say start on chapter one in the framework for freedom, Mm. because that's going to open the doors right there. If there's a chapter, if I can be honest and say which chapter I don't love, it's like like my, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I really like it, but I don't know why this, this chapter was like my kid when they're misbehaving. (laughs) You know, it's like, I still love you, but we just like, you're not doing what I want you to do. It's chapter seven.
1: What one is that? one? And
0: what is that one? Let's see. I don't even know the name of it. It's pissed me off so much. Chapter seven.
1: I forgot um, my kid's name. I'm so mad. It's just oh, oh, disobedient. Chapter,
0: <laughs> oh, chapter seven was risking your reputation, mm. which is maybe I don't like that chapter so much because I do care about reputation. I do care that my name has a good fragrance to it. So, mm-hmm. but if you are someone who cares like I do, then there are strategies in the book to help you care less, which is why I included chapter seven instead of scrapping it all together. Right. Mm-hmm. So there are going to be things that you create that challenge you the most. And because they challenge you and because they're forcing you to grow more, you kind of want to hide it to yourself, keep it to yourself. You don't want to put it out into the world because you don't want to be judged or criticized or what have you for it. And I'm just here to tell you to put it out there anyway, because it's not about you. Right. I've said this before. It's not about me. It's always about we. And low key, if I had it my way, my face would not be on the cover of the book. I didn't I didn't want my, cov- my face on the cover. I wanted the book to just be words because I didn't want people to look at me and judge the cover mm-hmm. without considering the content. But I lost that battle with the publisher and they were like, mm, no, she's going to be on the cover. Mm-hmm. So, well, number
1: one, you cute. Number well, two, thanks. I want to see more brown skin women on the cover of books. So I actually kind of love that they won that. And I understand from both sides. Yeah, like- I I get that. So (laughs) speaking of like judging someone's cover, Rachel lives this truth so much. She was the first person in my whole life to actually stop and tell me and inform me that I had resting bitch face. (laughs) I had no idea. Nobody had Ever said she looked at me, we're, we're at a live event and we're in this like little circle, just talking to other people. I can't remember who we're talking to, but I was so intently listening to this person that my face was like fully relaxed. And it's like, one might say it was,
0: excuse me, me. (laughs) let me explain to you. Her fully relaxed face looked (laughs) like she was annoyed, pissed off and I thought she was thinking to herself, what the F am I doing here? Like, this is such a waste of my time. That's her relaxed face.
1: (laughs) So Rachel looks at me after whoever we're talking to walks away and she goes, what's wrong with you? You don't like her? (laughs) I was like, no, I thought she was great. I was so intrigued. And she's like, fix your face then. (laughs) I was like, what? (laughs) Like you're not translating the message that you want to translate. Like your marketer fix this. Like was the vibe that I, as I was like, oh, nobody's ever told me. So now like, I do have an awareness of like, of course, like you it's not about that i want to manipulate how people perceive me but it's that i do want to communicate a certain message to someone which is i was so intently interested in them and there's a very strong chance that they were not getting that message
0: <laughs> and but but to the point this is why i say start with the f- framework for freedom right because when you and i first met by the way i didn't tell you that the first time i saw nope. you relaxed face, relaxed <laughs> in air quotes, right? I, that, when we first met in person, you and I had already been working together and all of our calls were back in the day, like over just audio, most of them. So mm-hmm. I didn't even really get to experience your face in, in any kind of capacity until we met in person. And we go out to lunch and the whole time, if I, whenever I'm talking, your face is really relaxed, but mean looking and then you talk and you'd smile. And I was the whole time at this lunch. And remember this is 10 years ago. So the whole time at this lunch, I am having an identity crisis, uh, an an attack on my identity and character because I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, does she not like me? I thought we were, is she going to fire me? And am I not a good coach? And I'm having like 82 different stories go around in my head and so, and I kept, I asked you multiple times, like, are you okay? And then you were like, I'm fine. And then I finally gave up. I, was like, well, I get that I a lot. If I, yeah. If I ask her if she's okay one more time, I think I'm going to annoy her. Right. So <laughs> think about how many times in life you're having conversations with people and they're pissed off for something else, but you're making it mean something about you. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, that's creating the dissonance. So now. 10 years later, and after having done this work and grown myself, when you and I are together, and by the way, I don't think you, I don't know if you know this, but even years after, even after I called out your resting bitch face, oh, sorry. Um, Even after I called out your relaxed face, (laughs) there were years where we'd get together and I would still feel like, I know she's okay, but I don't think she... Really like, I think I'm annoying her. Maybe my presence is annoying, right? Because I was telling myself all these stories, true story, friend. Mm -hmm. But then I did this work, right? The work that's in my book. And now when we hang out, I have zero problems with you and your face. There will be times where you'll be like very (laughs) intent, completely ignoring me. And I don't care because it has nothing to do with me, your intent. And this is why in the book, I teach you to ask questions in a unifying way so that if, if we were, if I were just meeting you for the first time, I wouldn't say it like that. Again, I wouldn't say like, fix your face. Mm-hmm. I I'd probably say something like, do you like her or do you have a problem with her? No. Why? Oh, well, you looked really upset and I don't know if that's just how you think or if, like, I, it felt like there was something off. Have you noticed this before? Have you experienced that? And now mm-hmm. I have of a meaningful dialogue versus fix your face. You come across as a stone-cold biatch, you know, <laughs> right? Because <'cause> there's one, because <laughs> there's a way to have the conversation in a way that's unifying and collaborative. And then there's another way to have the conversation where if Andrea were not who she is, and if she were not as strong of a person as she is. My comments could have sent her like crying for days. And Mm -hmm. and when I think about conversations in the past, I know that because I was a wounded offender, and I talk about that in the book, in chapter four, because I was a wounded offender, I was saying things from a genuinely caring place, but it was so, the delivery was so off that people were crying and feeling bad about themselves And that wasn't my intention, but intention doesn't matter when the impact is severe. So that's Mm -hmm. why having this book and you know who else, especially if, excuse me, if you're in network marketing, direct sales, and you're building teams, you, you need this book because this is going to help you identify who's who on your team. And Mm -hmm. then there are different strategies to approach them and meet them where they're at. And then you teach your team how to do this work and they're not so sensitive. And when they don't make whatever success club or when they don't get director or whatever the advancement is, they're mm-hmm. not telling themselves stories that then send them into that false start in their business. Right. Cause yeah. Andrew, you, you remember what it's like, right. Oh, uh, when a team mm-hmm. member doesn't hit a particular thing. They start telling themselves all these stories and then they get lost for three to four months and then the company does something yep. to generate the energy again then they come back and it's just this yo-yo effect yep. well if they knew how to give themselves permission to offend we would not be yo-yoing we'd mm-hmm. be consistent we'd be clear and confident.
1: i used to call those people like seasonal distributors that would just like come mm. back as soon as like the hype or like reinvigorated them but they didn't know how to keep the hype going for themselves and like you're right it's all around. Um, it's all around like being able to create um, resonance Mm -hmm. in what you want and what you think versus Mm -hmm. the dissonance that was causing the delay in the dreams. I just keep going back to that one because it was just like said so well. And
0: who you are and who you are, right? So what you want, who you're being and, and who at your core is your identity.
1: Um, and I love that you talked about, um, asking unifying questions like, oh, man, that creates such a difference in every relationship and whether you're trying to build a business, a brand, a mission, or even just like create deeper satisfaction in your life, this book would be really useful to you as well. So like a uh, kind of, yes, yeah, so, like is great for everyone because everyone deals with like worry about rejection. That's a, an ingrained piece of like what's getting pro- processed at a primal level for us every day. So why wouldn't that be useful to you? But I love the, that you did key on in, on the network marketing community, because you're right. Like the sooner that you can learn how to speak to people differently, create those unifying mm-hmm. questions, bring people mm-hmm. in, um, make them feel closer. Um, you can actually help people just move faster.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: like, it's like filling in potholes before people get to there so that, the journey can be faster and smoother and you're not constantly stopping to fix a fucking tire. So people you want them to buy on Amazon or through your website, or where do you, where do you want the peoples to go by the I book? I want
0: them to buy all the places, buy all okay. the places. My, my real ask is that you buy more than one copy. Yes. My real ask is that you buy at least two, one for yourself and one for the person that you feel safest with. And there's a reason, there's a specific reason I'm giving you this assignment. You're going to give one copy to your best friend, the person you feel safest with, so that you can practice offending each other because Mm. you're both going to be reading it. You'll both be able to work through the, the little hiccups. It's much different than if you're doing this work by yourself and then you try to go out into the real world and say something off color and then, you know, you get the smackdowns God forbid, hashtag canceled, but I call this the antidote to cancel culture because I teach you how to show up in your truth while respecting others. And then if you are a team leader, I would say, get a copy for everyone on your team. And I I don't know, I didn't tell you when I planned this, Andrew, with you, but I hope it's okay that I mentioned if you have 10 or more people reading this book together just send me an email rachel at rachelluna.biz and I'm happy to come in and speak to your group and do like a little authors read along for anybody that gathers 10 or more and you each have a copy of the book
1: great I'm glad you said that because I have very different ask for my community and so Rachel oh Rachel called you guys out right away and she said you're you're this is for the leader. And that's who listens to this podcast. And so what I'm asking is you guys know that like the greatest like mission of my heart is to create a huge community of untriggerable women. And so I say (laughs) untriggerable women, Rachel says permission to offend, but we mean the same thing. We have the same heart. We have the same mission. We have the same vision. We're going to the same place. We're just saying it in our own unique way of like how God is going to speak through us to a certain community of people. So what I'm asking you guys to do is to create a book club. I want you guys to take use your leadership and to reach out to people in your community and to have everyone buy a copy of this book and then email Rachel and let her know how many people in your community, if there's more than 10, and I'm challenging you to at least have 10 because I know you guys have bigger communities than that. Reach out and ask people. It's January right now at the time of this recording, this book is coming out in a few weeks. So in February, your um romantic self-love practice or whatever for Galentine's day could be coming together and removing these triggers and, um, giving yourself a deeper level of permission in order for you to move faster towards your dreams altogether, because women are just going to do this. So, so much more powerfully together. So that is my ask of my community.
0: I love that. And I'm actually doing a Valentine's Day event. And I've said that you have to give yourself permission to love yourself enough, love yourself and your business enough to live your truth. Mm -hmm. And this book shows you how. So um, also fun little fact, I have an Amazon book club. So I can put that link. I'll send that link to you, Andrea. So anybody that has their book clubs, you guys can plug into the one that I have and you'll get a weekly little check-in from me. through that and then share with your community.
1: I didn't even know that. Look at how in sync we are. I love this for us. I love this for my community. Thank you, Rachel, my dearest bestie. This woman is the one who like, whenever I need someone to have my back in the realest of real ways, when I've gone through the hardest shit of my life, she's the one who will message me like, you need me to get in the car and drive down there right now. Like- She'll drive five hours to get to my house with 30 minutes notice. If I have a real fucking emergency. And so for these are the people that we want in our world. So get Rachel into your community because she's a giver. She's going to show up and over. I don't even want to say you're a giver. I don't like, I want to say like you show up when there's intention and you just fucking over deliver Mm -hmm. potency over deliver Mm -hmm. potency. And so, um, let's let's support this woman. Thank you, friends. Yes. I
0: love you. And thank you to our listener. You're so special and I'm so grateful and I'm excited to connect with you
1: and your book club. Yes. Okay. Love you guys. Show, check the show notes right now. Click that link, go buy the book this very second. You guys know how to one swipe on Amazon that what like exercise that little finger right fucking now. Love you. <laughs> Hi, this is Lorelai, COO of The Unruly Entrepreneur. We hope you loved today's episode. And if you did, make sure you share on your social, leave a review and check the show notes for everything Andrea and Rachel mentioned. If you loved these two together and want more, check out Andrea's $1.2 million year masterclass where Rachel interviewed Andrea to get the full scoop on how it went down. Thanks for listening to this episode. Get notifications when new episodes drop by tapping the follow button we have got some juicy episodes lined up for you and you definitely don't want to miss them. See you there.